Welcome to Habit of Force, an actual play podcast about mercenaries with giant robots. My name is Brandon, and I'll be your mission commander. Since it's our first episode, I'll let you know that Habit of Force shares a universe with my upcoming game by the same name, and my novel, Weightless Scrap. We'll be using a few games to see what works best for getting the feel of our mecha combat, including Lancer and Mobile Frame Zero. You'll hear more about that later, so I'm going to let my players introduce themselves. Hey everyone, uh, my name is Sam Kusek, and I will be playing the character of uh, Zizek today. Zizek is a second-generation uh, Polish immigrant uh, who is part of a far-field team, uh, so a team that goes out to survey uh, different landscapes in space that could become habitable for, uh, you know, for different government groups, uh, principalities, interests, what have you, um, and they, through whatever means, I'm sure we'll find out in play, uh, have been excommunicated from that, uh, that community. Um, and they are, you know, trying to, to make their way back into good graces through this mercenary group. The mech that I'll be piloting is called Blessed by the Algorithm. Excellent. All hail the new algorithm. Uh, Jason, go ahead and tell us a bit about your character. Hi, I'm Jason, and I'm going to be playing Julius Rossi. Julius is a square of a man who is incredible, who is pretty old and has been kept alive by a bit of cybernetics. He was in the war before the principality and the U.S. was separated and retired during that war, but found himself running out of money when the principality and the U.S. split and his paperwork for his pension got lost. So now he's back into mercenary work in order to make to ensure that he can survive through his retirement. Julius is a rather religious man and you can't and cannot be found without a necklace of the cross on his chest and therefore his mech's name is fittingly the grace of God. Excellent. Yeah, nothing like bureaucracy to send someone back into combat uh, urged to kill rising. Cam, how about you? Who are you playing today? Uh, I am playing Owen. He is a scientist who works at some small company that is a subsidiary of a larger pharmaceutical company. Um, The only thing is he lied on his resume to get said job um, and only thinks he knows what he's doing. Um, So he really enjoys science, but he's not very good at it. But he's very lovable, so I think that makes up for it. Um, his mech's name is Cosmological Constant. Nice. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's a value in Zorn's Lemma. Absolutely. Totally. Can I just mention how incredible it is that we all chose the most pretentious names possible for our mechs, depending on our <laughs> background? That's, that's just kind of crazy to me. And if there's one thing that's really great about all the writing that's around Lancer, it's that that's what CompCon gives you, is that really good, um, yeah, those good pretentious mech names. I was going to say, I did not choose my name. It was chosen for me, and I could not be happier. Same. So. Yeah, and again, if you have an interest in this, like, do pick up this game. Excellent. And Jason, because you can wrap your mind around numbers a lot better than I can, could you give us just a really brief breakdown of kind of what the the gist of Lancer's rule set is? Sure. Lancer is a very weird, complex system in the best possible way, in my opinion. 
So Lantern basically has two modes. You have out of your mech and in your mech. Out, out of your mech is usually a different in, different system entirely than inside of your mech. When you're out of your mech, you're assumed to be a pretty powerful soldier. It takes a lot to be a mech soldier. So most pilots can do anything that they set their mind to, as long as they're good at rolling a d20. And if you are outside of your mech, the DC to do anything extremely strenuous or requiring a massive amount of skill is 10. That means when you roll a 20-sided dice, if you beat the difficulty of 10, then you've done whatever you wanted to do. So base, base, it's assumed you're going to be successful about half the time. Yes. Unlike in Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition, you need to beat the DC. You can't match it. So it is... If you roll an 11, then you beat DC 10. Thankfully, our pilots aren't all the exact same people. We all have skill triggers that make us better at very specific things. For example, Julius has a sharp eye. So he has a plus two to the investigate skill trigger, which means that when he rolls that D20, he adds two to it. So he can beat the uh, investigate on a nine. That's excellent. And just because you mentioned it, is that uh, is that because Julius has a cybernetic eye or is it just because he's grizzled no, because, and salty? No, it's because he's a judgmental prick. Oh, so, okay. he's al- so he's always watching people. Good. Um, so that that's a nice, like, I think that's a nice, like, bird's eye view of it. Um, and I'm excited to see, I'm excited to learn about your characters and see how these things pop off in play. So once you climb into a mech, that's when the numbers start happening, and that's when scary stuff happens. As players, we are license level zero. That means that we are brand new soldiers, and our mercenary overlords don't trust us at all. So we are all given the same exact mech model. We are all given the Everest, yeah, the GMS standard pattern Everest. In the Lancer universe, this is the market brand frame. But that basically means that we all have the same parts. Our mechs don't look the same at all. Because we all have the same mech, our class is kind of similar. Our frame decides our movement speed, our chance to get hit, our chance to get hacked, our modifiers to our to our ability to not get hacked, and our modifiers to our ability to hack. Our mechs also have a base health pool. In this system, an Everest has 10 health. So we can take 10 points of damage. When we are hit zero health, we don't go down. We have something called structure, where when our mech takes the amount of health that we have, our structure gets damaged. And we have a chance of something bad happening, like losing a weapon, because it literally got blown off of our bodies. But we don't. But we don't go down until we hit zero out of four structure. No, it's it's cool. I think that that um, that's good for giving us that kind of like bird's eye view because we'll see. Because there's so much nitty gritty you can get into with the modularity of this system, and that's something that's sort of in the world itself. In the novel, there's a mech called Cactus Juice, and it is entirely modular and just made out of stolen parts. Basically, it's otherwise just a sort of like giant robot shaped like a like a referee going goal with basically guns duct taped onto it so that all sounds great to me 
So all your characters have been members of this mercenary company for a little while. Uh, you are not, you're by no means like officers here, uh, but you're also not new, right? Like if someone came in today, you would no longer be the new guys. You know, whatever you were doing before this, we might find out those things might come back to haunt you. Or maybe you will face no repercussions from your past ever. Uh, it's a fantasy story. But let's start with the, with the funnest thing first. What do you think the name of your company is? Well, I feel like we should have a, uh, we, we have a running theme here and I don't want to break that running theme, but I also don't want to be disrespectful to our, to our United States military. I was going to call it something like Rainbow Hearts, but okay. uh, I feel like that would not be paying due respect to those who... So I like, I like the idea of rainbow, right? Like there's, I think that in, um, there's a lot of mythology that informs, I mean, all like militarism, right? So what can we do with, with rainbow? Like the rainbow bridge, like the Norse gods and their means of transportation. Like how do you make rainbow also sound badass? So I, I don't want to be like uninformed. Uh, Sam, do you know anything about like Polish mythology? Do they have anything like cool over there? There is, um, yes, I do. Uh, there is a tale of a magic belt um, that certain warriors would use where it had symbols carved on the inside of it and it's supposed to imbue, you know, more, uh, more defensive nature. Uh, there's also a lot, and this is not, I wouldn't say it's typical to, or uh, specific to Polish mythology. There's a lot around like utilizing circles and uh things that you can create in nature to like curse or cast spells so rainbow belt could be good i'm a big fan of um abbreviating things so maybe taking out some vowels uh, where you could do like r and b o uh if we wanted to do that i also got really not to detract us too far from this i got really stuck on cactus cactus is very fun there's something very fun about that um because I do like that cactus is like a bit of a branching plant with different, you know, uh, uh, spikes coming out of it. Does rainbow thorn sound a little bit too much like we stopped caring when we started hitting the ra random name generator? <laughs> I, I like that you're like, sticking with cactus a bit because like, because yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it does still have that like air of threat. Um, and and rainbow thorn thorn is probably the name I'll end up dancing under, so I'll file that one away. Um, <laughs> I I really like rainbow thorn, honestly. Okay. Uh, awesome. I, I don't want to speak for the group, but um... Cam, do you wish to escape us from this torture before we uh, before no. we dedicate it? To, no. No, okay. I like rainbow thorn. We're, yeah, we're you... sticking with rainbow thorn. Yeah, like. you played into Cam's hands as much as anything else. Cool, so Rainbow Thorn. Um, I'm kind of imagining your insignia, the patch, is uh, a cactus with a few flowers on it, and each flower is, uh, I mean, it's changing colors all the time, because why not? It's the future. You can have the tech for that to work. So, you know, whatever your uniform is, it has that somewhere on it. This doesn't feel like glorified hitmen sort of company. This feels like a bit more like privateer group sort of thing that's what i was feeling probably like a privatized operation yeah it, where it, 
it it does sound like we're all trying to at least work with a government. I don't. I maybe I misread Cam, uh, Cam's character a little bit there. <laughs> but uh, it does it does feel that way. It it does sound like we're all trying to uh, not escape from something, but get something back through maybe legitimized means, right? We. we so I, I like the idea that this is a company that things feel above board to a degree, right? Or they appear above board. Cool. That makes sense to me. So you wouldn't have to operate um, in international waters or whatever, keeping in mind that you're probably somewhere on the Western Hemisphere or in geosynchronous orbit above the Western Hemisphere. What sort of ship or base or headquarters do you think Rainbow Thorn operates out of? Well, in the coldest iron universe, space travel's pretty quick, right? I know in Lancer it can be a little bit, uh, a little bit weird because it's kind of like pseudo high tech, right? But in coldest iron, it's kind of it's it's a little in like habit of force. It's a little closer to just Star Trek levels where if you dream it, you can travel it. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not. Right? I yeah, I like the idea of it's sort of this in between spot that we're at right now where yeah like it does it can take a little while to get somewhere but especially for say role playing you would have enough i'm not unless it's especially narratively interesting to say like oh it takes us like x amount of time to get somewhere then yeah you can like I would not be worried if you were in either, say, Nineveh or Colombia, right? Like, either way, I would be happy with that. Right, right. Um, so the only hang-up I'm having is that Julius is, a, like, a turbo-American, and he is a turbo-American in that he hates moving. So... I'm 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 biased to being over like either the principal being in or over the principality. So like, just to just to make this clear, when you say that he hates moving, like as in sort of off the couch, <laughs> that's your turbo American. Um, Slam. I I will I will allow you to interpret that however you wish. Okay. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what does um. Uh, Sam and Cam, uh, Zizek, well, I'm not saying that correctly. Do I need to judge that up a little? <laughs> uh, um, uh, yeah, Zizek, um, being part of the far field team, like, travels quite a bit, so I think they're pretty comfortable being, being mobile. I imagine they're one of those people that just has a bag that they live out of, right? Sure. And they don't have much of a permanent residence. Um, um, I do like the idea maybe going with the cactus motif again that they, we are a bit terrestrial. Like maybe mm. there are some gardens and stuff where uh, the higher ups of the organization can like entertain potential customers, right? Sure. Yeah, so yeah. maybe more of a facility. Cool, cool. I mean, in that case, how do you all feel about, say, a uh, converted hacienda? Sweet. But. Nice. Like at the end of the wild bunch, but you'll turn out better. <laughs> no promises. 
No, none at all. <laughs> as long as you don't make, as long as you don't make any deals with Germans, you'll probably be okay. In that case, on the morning our our story starts, what might each of you be up to? Cam, uh, how about you go first? Tell us what Owen is up to at the sort of Hacienda del Cactus. I think uh, his personality, he would be like, if it's early in the morning, just like saying hi to people, making coffee, walking around, being a nice dude, um, avoiding doing actual work or anything of the like, making, just seeing how everyone's doing, wandering. If there's a garden, maybe doing that. <laughs> Great, getting coffee, being pleasant, not getting a lot of work done typical PhD behavior. Excellent. Um, what's uh, Zizek up to? Um, I think keeping in with the, uh, uh, you know, the tactical side of it and what uh, Jason said about uh, these pilots being kind of uh, buff characters. Um, there's some morning workouts. Um, and leaning into one of the uh, skill triggers that I have, there's there's a little bit of um, there's a little bit of charm going on. Maybe Zizek is setting up uh, some morning competitions between other pilots, uh, maybe trading some rations or other things from the commissary, right? Sure. Uh, yeah. Just out of curiosity, like what is the ration that everyone wants? Like, what is the good ration? I mean, I would, I, no one wants the vegetable lasagna, right. right? I think we can all agree on that. Right. Um, and I guess there's probably a limit on things like alcohol and cigarettes, right? So officially, yes. Yeah. Um, there's got to be some sort of like space candy, right? Excellent. Cool. I, I think so. In another bit of writing I have, I think I just call them um, Terra brownies. <laughs> Okay. Uh, just cosmic brownies, but Earth. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah, that's that's good. Excellent. Cool. And to that end, yeah, I think that um, what I see in my mind is, you know, we see Owen walk by and be like, oh, hey, Zizek. And he has his coffee and he's just having a great morning. He's like, I'm going to go look at the flowers. And Zizek is, yeah, yeah. And then like goes back to doing like shoulder presses and someone offers him what Sam what is your personally most hated candy um I'm not a big I I'm not a big chocolate fan I'm uh, more into the gummy candies so uh yeah I I do not go for chocolate generally you're allowed um so cool so I'm gonna say that someone offers Zizek like a trade for some chocolate and Zizek just slaps that shit out of his hand because they know that in this world, it's considered horrifyingly bad luck to bring a chocolate bar onto a Mac. It guarantees to break your shit down. It's just, it's a bad idea. It's um, an instant melt, right? You start the Mac up and it just... <laughs> right, exactly. It, it melts in your Mac, not in your hand. And this is the sort of like... Obviously, I've been playing around in this world for a little while, but we're in the middle, and as far as I'm concerned, whatever we work with is canon for now. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I don't, and if it ends up contradicting something that I've already published, I don't care. 
That's what addendums are for. Right, exactly. <laughs> now it is in our lore that having a chocolate bar in your mech is considered very bad luck. Um, Julius, what, what are you doing with your, with your morning? Julius, whenever he wakes up and starts acting, is always seeming like he's been in this mercenary squad for too long. He's always, he, he's, he gets up, he does his work as soon as he can, and then the workday becomes just walking around and just silently judging people. Not like actively getting in their way. Like if they turn around and look, then he's suddenly looking at a wall, water cooler and like chat, chatting with someone else who seems oddly confused that they, he started a conversation on such a short notice. But he is always making sure that people are doing their work when they're supposed to be, partially because he does revel in the feeling of somebody uh, not doing their work and getting caught because he wants to get out of here too, but also because he remembers this is what higher-ups do, and he wants to get through to a higher-up position as quickly as he can to get regain that authority he lost when the when the U.S. military uh, broke up and he retired. Excellent. Cool, cool, cool. So Julius might you know cast a disapproving glance over at Owen, who is literally stopping to smell the flowers, and... Zizek is spending his time wisely enough, but Julius is the one I imagine who has um, who has his eye on the time and knows that after lunch mess, you all specifically, since for whatever reason, uh, you've been lumped together as as a squad. It is time for all of you to go to the range. Um, and this might actually be a good chance um, for y'all to, for us to try out some some light combat mechanics at, at the shooting range. So for Rainbow Thorn, how well off do you think Rainbow Thorn is? Like on one end of the spectrum, we have um, Cowboy Bebop, right? Where yeah, Spike Spiegel tries to eat his problems a lot of the time, but since his problem is he doesn't have enough to eat well okay that tracks like he's barely scraping by or are you on the other end of you, know, you are a well-funded and well-oiled machine so lancer has assumes that where when wherever you are as long as you have access to resources you can do what you want like you can 3d print an entire mech right so we need to have at the, we we need to be able to at least afford to not quite need to spend all of our printer money on sandwiches. I don't think we're perfect. These guys hired someone who didn't have a perfect resume, so their PDF finder's a little off, little off software. Sure. Okay. So. So I, I feel like we're we're at a com we're we're at a company that spends the, that has money but doesn't spend it very well cool yeah i feel like a little rough and tumble works yeah yeah um, does that does that make sense to you too yeah that sounds good to me yep. the reason i ask is for a normal day of training do you think you'd be in your mech or not because i feel like 
being in your Mac is going to use that much more resources, but it's probably better training. I think maybe sometimes they could be in the Mac, but a majority of the time they're not. Um, so like once a week, like Fridays are the Mac training days. And that's the day everyone loves or something like you, that. You, you wear your denim and get into your <laughs> war crime. And feel, yeah. Excellent. So, so that's the weird part. It's Wednesday and you show up to the range and, you know, just think of desert, right? So you show up to the range and Sergeant Ironsi has all your mecha ready and waiting for you. Sergeant Ironsi is a tall woman. Um, she's olive skinned. And I want you to imagine that she is, she's wiry and energetic. Imagine she is the spring in a switchblade. I think Zizek finds her enthusiasm to be a little disingenuous, right? There's a lot of like talking in platitudes and not really addressing people or looking people in the eye. And Zizek's like, he just wants that sort of personal one-to-one -one relationship that he try, tries to build with people. Um, so that is what he doesn't enjoy about her. He does enjoy that she's very, uh, she runs a tight ship and she's like, all right, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're training. It feels like the objective is, is clear. Maybe it takes a while to like get rolling, but uh, at least they know what they're doing. What stands out about Ironsi to Owen? So I think he always tries to see, um, like the best in people never wants to see any of the bad. And if it's there, he just kind of ignores it um, unless it's obnoxiously bad. I think he notices like how they try to keep things on like the type of ship and everything like that and tries to adhere to that to keep them happy, even if he necessarily doesn't want to be doing what is told. So Owen's kind of a people pleaser. Mm -hmm. Excellent. And how about Julius? Julius appreciates the sergeant, but one thing that really gets him a little bit like heated, like he doesn't he doesn't like talk about it because she's the sergeant, but she asks him politely enough to stop smoking. And this it's something that really pisses him off because he got he got it when he when he didn't have cybernetics. When when he was a youth in the army, he he got he got it. it it's bad for your lungs, whatever. But he got the stupid lung implants. He got the teeth cleaning drones. Why does he have to stop smoking? He doesn't understand anymore. Um, but at the same time, whenever she tells him to stop smoking, she doesn't do it in a way that like the cadets used to do it, where they, they explained step by step that why, why you have to stop cleaning your lungs. She just says, Julius, stop that. And it's from a place of pure authority and he appreciates someone who knows how to throw their weight around. Excellent, and and that's it. So I, I imagine that Zizek is sort of building up his emotional reserves to be like, okay, like what's the sergeant got in store for us today? Owen sees his mech and is pretty excited. Like, okay, yeah, let's get to business. Whatever this is, you know, it's like having pizza for lunch. This is amazing. Julius sort of like tucks his soft pack of cigarettes back into his his, I don't know, fanny pack. I was like, okay, well, this is what we're doing today. And you know, she has um, she has a 
bit of a bit of a Turkish accent, uh, but she's still able to say to you, climb on in, get to work. I'll let you know if there are any more directions for you. She really just wants you to do the general sort of combat drills, right? Send some brass down range. Maybe you'll do some maneuvers, that sort of thing. But right now, just warm up. Let's play around with that. Let's get um, some basic combat rolls out there. So for a sense of scale, about how big are we talking? For a habit of force, your general like mech is about 30 feet tall. It's pretty big, I'd say about the size of a school bus. You'll get much larger machines, but you don't get much smaller. So Ju Julius's Everest is an old beast. It is the the kids these days they have their new, their new products they have they have new minerals that they mine from distant planets julius has that all american stuff he has stainless steel mecca but only reinforced by intense software updates and different and different additions only to make everest work at all your american grit made in detroit that's yeah, it, it was thrown together in a Detroit factory by a worker who probably didn't care, but Julius has loved Grace of God ever since. Uh, unlike most Everest, Grace of God's mounts are a little bit less obvious. It has a minigun and it has a r assault rifle, but the, mini but the assault rifle is basically pasted to the side of the minigun, so... It looks like it only has one available mount, and it has it has the very generic two arm frame soft two arm frame looking. So basically, instead of holding two guns, it just holds the minigun in both arms. But there's also an assault rifle on the side. But but also, but, but also, also, great. So we should be picturing a more or less bipedal giant refrigerator with a big ass gun. It cool. is, of course, golden white. Absolutely, of course. How about Owen and Zizek? Zizek, I think, has a pretty pretty standard model. I'm imagining they got it maybe secondhand from somebody else, right? But one of the features that I love that was given to me through CompCom is that there is a custom paint job. Um, and we'll get into mechanically, if that comes up, it does some pretty cool things. But this, uh, this mech, I think, is not as, as big and kind of ostentatious uh, as Julius's is. It's probably a little more downplayed. It's got some cool sort of gray and blue colors to kind of blend in with the space environment that was appropriate for Farfield. Um, and it's, it's outfitted with a fair amount of weaponry. Uh, the main mount is just a regular standard shotgun. Um, and there's two thermal pistols that I think are just over to the side. And then there's a heavy charge blade giving it a very sort of like anime feel, uh, very Final Fantasy, uh, Cloud Strife kind of looking feel. Um, and for some reason in the photo, and I'm just going to stick with it, it looks like there's a bit of a loincloth that is just kind of like hanging out right down the center of it. Uh, and I think Zizek just kept that as kind of like uh, a tattered flag from another mission. So it's got like a little bit of flair uh, right there. A little, little bit of flair where the business happens. Excellent. Right. <laughs> business on top, party on the bottom. I mean, and that's something I think is sort of funny about Lancer. It's sort of like when 
Batman is in the desert and they put a coat on over the costume. And it seems a little excessive to me. You're already running around in in Kevlar. But you know what? You do you. And and I and I love that idea. What's what's Owen rolling around in? I don't know how he got his mech, um, but however he did, I don't think it was anything fancy when he first got it or anything. Um, but he really wanted to make it his and like customize it like the way it looks visually. So he really liked his cat. So I like to think he gave it little cat ears um, and things, just like stupid things where he's like, oh, I like this. I'm going to put it on. So it's a bit of a mess to look at visually um, because he's not a graphic designer at all. He's barely a scientist. Um, <laughs> so... Graphic design and science are his passion. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I like to think visually it's just like a bit of a mess. But if you meet him, you're like, yeah, that makes sense. That tracks. Um, in terms of loadout, I wanted him to be like very close combat. I don't know why, but that's what I went with. So I gave him a shotgun and a lot of knives. I, I don't know how that plays into anything mechanically, but he has a shotgun and then a tactical knife and also a segment knife. So he just has a lot of knives um, that I think can be done. I don't know if that's a thing. I might be making things up, but. <laughs> no, I love this. I'm, I love giant, like if Lisa Frank designed a Gundam and that Gundam was piloted by a stone cold psycho <laughs> like far future hannibal like this is what we're dealing with here right a wannabe scientist who just shows up <laughs> i'm a scientist you have to believe me <laughs> what are you gonna do look it up yeah the infrastructure is still there like i can just call the so much so much got lost in the second american civil war so much got lost <laughs> so since combat is coming up, I know we're just at the range now. Something we haven't talked about yet, and I did want to, uh, is lines and veils. Uh, lines and veils are basically for maintaining uh, player safety and dealing with topics that we all feel equipped to. So I think that we, we are playing a game in which war happens. Um, and Julia, Julius had to go cyborg for some reason. So there might be some grisly violence, but you know, we can also say this is a future where gay bashing doesn't happen. That just doesn't happen anymore. Um, but I'm just throwing that out as an example. I don't want anything to be off the table just because of taste, right? I think that what I want to do with sort of all of these, these Habit of Force projects is get into and explore what tone uh, in storytelling and genre storytelling especially can do with that awareness. But I only want to go up to the limits of everyone's, if not comfort, then feeling of, of being healthy. And again, for those at home, lines are, this is not, this is not here. The example I like to use for lines is if Sam just hates spiders, it's terribly arachnophobic. The line is, no spiders. We're not going to come across a giant robot spider, a la Wild Wild West. That's just off the table. Not going to happen. I don't climb in my mech and find a spider. Nuh-uh. If it's a veil, then Sam can say, look, this is a functioning world with a biosphere that makes sense, and that requires spiders. I get that, but I am not interacting with them. Is that understood? Okay, that's fine. 
since rails are a bit more wibbly wobbly anyone can at any point just say hey stop we're not dealing with this now and i swap out the giant spider mac for a giant white tiger i don't know <laughs> those are the those are the two genders giant spider siberian tiger uh tag yourself so what what lines do you all have any lines in mind i personally love exploring all aspects of my psyche and don't have anything in particular that will cause me to be in bad in bad mental shape. So whatever whatever happens, I will be capable of dealing with. Yeah, I'm I'm similar. I don't have any hard stops, as it were. Um, that being said, you know I'll feel those out as they come up, but nothing's coming to mind right now. Uh, yeah, same. Cool. Good, excellent. I'm imagining it's the same thing with veils, but I want to ask about that too. I think the only thing I'm not super into, uh, just as a as a player and for Zizek, I really hate like forced body transformation stuff in in genre fiction. If a character's like mental state is changed against their will, or like they're forced to take on some sort of like robotic or cybernetic enhancement that they don't uh, opt into. That's something that I'm uh, not a fan of and would not like to participate in, so. Uh, cool. I was just trying to say, I um, also agree with Sam, forced things like that are a little weird. Well, I think that's the thing, unless we like set out to be like, we're gonna kind of explore this now. And yeah, and then all that said, we don't have to Cronenberg this at all. So that's totally fine. But yeah, that makes sense to me and good to know. So you climb into your, your Mecca as per Sergeant Ironsky's direction. Let's just try out some of those, those combat shoot sting rolls and, and see how that works. So I will start off uh, just using the main uh, shotgun that I have outloaded in my main mount. Well, I got a natural 20. Cool. So yeah, at the other end, there's a big uh, piece of particle board or metal or something with just a very generic like mech on it. It's a clean shot going for where, uh, where you know sort of the pilot is positioned, right? I assume it's a mech pretty similar size to what we have. You said about as tall as a school bus. So Zizek's going for a, a clean kill shot here. Uh, with with an immense amount of accuracy. So I think just kind of under the nape of the neck of the mech, it just, and you see just a plume of, of explosions. Yeah, and you hear Ironsi come over your radio and she tells you that uh, you're a surgeon with that thing. You can tell like, she's a little unsettled because that's not, that's not really how shotguns are supposed to work. And yet, and yet. <laughs> And yet, from a distance. Julius, how, how does yours look? What do you end up doing with your sort of cobbled together monster gun? Well, Julius is going to practice one of the things that he likes doing the most, which is... Uh, Looking down on people? You just well, turn that, and... That's like, really easy to do in a mech, too. But he's going to fire his minigun. So do you smoke in your mech? <laughs> just light a cigar in there, just... I mean, it probably has a filter. I think that's okay. Well, not okay, but I think he won't, like... We're we're going rule of cool on this. 
So. So his so his mech puts a massive metal cigar in his mouth. Yeah. And then uh, starts unloading the minigun. The minigun has a it has the inaccurate quality, which means that in addition to rolling the d20, I also roll one d6 and subtract it from the total roll because it's a big old minigun, so it's kind of hard to accurately hit things. And I got a one, so I missed. Right. So you spool it up, and you, Iron, Iron, says over everyone's radio. She says, "Okay, Julius, we've been over this." Take it slow. And as she's saying slow, that's when you pull the trigger. And it's almost like you intentionally just pivot at the waist and just almost around, sort of you make an arc of bullets, an ellipse, an ellipse all around your target and just don't manage to hit shit. See Owen, what I tell you, perfect arc. Ironsi says, great, well, no one almost got hit this time, so we'll count that as progress. Okay, Owen. Um, I think since Sizek, he did so well with the shotgun, Owen got scared, so he's like, I'm gonna throw a knife and see how this goes. Um, I rolled and got a five. <laughs> so I think that means I miss, right? You, yeah, you miss. Uh, you throw your, your knife and it hits like butt end into the target. <laughs> Perfectly understandable, happens to everyone with throwing knives. And there's a beat where everyone kind of looks at you and decides, like, do we laugh? Do we not laugh? And Ironsi says, go grab it. Everyone, danger close. And we watch as you walk <laughs> the 400 yards to pick up your knife and then walk back. Oh, no. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll, give, I'll give you full credit, Owen. That was a nice long throw. <laughs> yeah, distance great, accuracy not so much. C for C for the effort. And then at least you got it back. Right, yeah. there is that. Uh, then you will notice that there is a fourth target set up, and you hear a pop. A sort of it's not a long time as we tend to interpret time, but long enough that you're like, what's happening? And then the fourth target kind of explodes. Uh, then you hear a boost coming up and you see a, um, a priest class, right? With a big old, the, the mech equivalent of a 50 caliber sniper rifle uh, boosting up toward you. And you all know this as Lieutenant Kyung. She's a badass. I think Zizek's maybe a little into her. Um, like, that, uh, I guess it's a, to be a little gross, it's a size matters in terms of like the, the quality of the gun, right? You're just like, ooh, you could do quite a bit with that. Like, oh, ooh, oh no. Yeah. I'll clutch my pearls over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my. Uh, Julius, you happen to know. Uh, and you're the only one who knows this, that Lieutenant Kyung used to be a chaplain in the United Korea armies. So I don't know if that makes you feel uh, more, more sympathetic toward her, not. Well, so because of, because of both that information, her rank, 
how efficiently she absolutely eviscerated that target. Julius is just looking at his minigun like, oh man, I completely missed in front of Lieutenant Young. Oh man. And he's just like, he's not even really thinking about the how accurately she destroyed the target. He's just thinking about how inaccurate he was when it came to shooting his. The weird narcissism of being down on yourself. Yeah, excellent. And what's Owen's response? Um, I think he sees her do that and is like, wow, that's really cool. I wish I could do that. And then he's just thinking about how badly he threw the knife. And it's like, hmm, maybe I should focus on this first before I learn how to use gun guns. Oh, Lieutenant Young's the guy. I want to be the guy too. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't worry, Owen. We'll find you a 50 cal knife soon. I think it's really interesting that everyone's response was good. And you're like, what a cool lady. Uh, and then Ironsi says, well, okay, one out of four. That's in fact very bad. Uh, keep it up, folks. And you all keep on the range. Um, we see shots of you uh, doing other sort of other training exercises, right? Boosting around, trying to get behind one another, doing that sort of like the best scene in like the first act of a fighter jet movie where it's like, get a lock on the other person. First person to lock on to the other wins, you know, that sort of thing. So while the minigun completely whiffed the attack on that target, uh, what the what the uh, rookie he calls himself, what rookie is good at is really just pinning someone down by missing rapidly with machine gun fire. What they're so, for. So mechanically, it's basic, mechanically it's called covering fire. And what it does is he just shoots his gun nearby an enemy and makes it really hard for them to shoot and fire back. It adds that 1d6 to a difficulty. And if they move, he gets to shoot at them. So what that so what he ends up doing a lot of the time is helping is trying to help in simulated firing events where the target tries to shoot back by using his covering fire to make it more difficult to do so. Excellent. Yeah, that, that all makes sense to me. And that's a good way to sort of get that mechanic out there. I'm kind of interested in, uh, you said that Owen specializes primarily in sort of close combat, right? Or that's what the, the mech was built in. Um, and I have this heavy blade. I think I'm probably more outfitted for like mid-range kind of all around combat, but I'd like to, I think Zizek, I'm as I'm developing him is beginning to have a bit of a chip on his shoulder and probably thinks he's good at everything, right? Uh, so I think Zizek wants to uh, wants to test your knife skills a little bit against against my blade um, and just kind of see see how I fare in a close combat situation. Yeah, I feel like Owen would totally would love to be down to do that. Cool, the, the cool person wants to talk to me. Let's go. <laughs> I think yeah. I just hold up my sword. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so to that end, since this is more couched in the RP drama of it all, are there any relevant triggers for any of you that would be would be good here? My my trigger for close combat's only good if I am using my fists only. <laughs> I mean, shorter knives are are good enough. I think that that's. I we, can, have, we can be a little wobbly on this. 
Okay. I have a skill trigger, stay cool, perform a task that requires concentration, dexterity, speed, or precision under pressure. Um, I wouldn't necessarily qualify this as under pressure, but maybe I'm, I'll, I'll quantify that in an RP way of saying Zizek's trying to perform sparring and not actual combat, right? right. He's maybe not, not super versed with the sword. So he's like, all right, don't, he's like, I could cut the mech's arm off. Don't <laughs> fuck it up. <laughs> right, gotta... exactly. Yeah, yeah, Cool. So each of you uh, roll those triggers. I got a four. Uh, I got a seven plus seven. <laughs> cool. So you're, you both did fairly badly. Um, <laughs> but Owen did better. A little ways off, we can see all of both of your mechs. And you're not incompetent people. So you are sort of going back and forth. Uh, Zizek in Blessed by the Algorithm is swinging this big buster sword and, and Owen is kind of dancing around it. The cosmological constant is able to fairly easily parry. I think with the four, uh, the weight of the sword is getting the better of Zizek. So my swings are coming down, I think a bit faster and harder than anticipated. Um, and you can tell I'm trying to keep my cool, but I'm like straining to lift it up. Um, and as it comes down, I'm like very, uh, I would say narrowly missing, um, but I'm, I'm losing my composure and starting to stress out in front of uh, the general and in, in front of Owen. Uh, um, yeah, I think since Owen did a little better, he's a bit more, uh, a bit more competent in like, maybe dodging it almost like that's the one thing he's doing good right now is he can just dance around the sword. Um, but when it comes to actually attacking, he's too scared that he's gonna hurt <laughs> Zach or Zach's neck. Um, so like, he's whiffing real bad. <laughs> Sergeant watches in horror as you somehow stab him with the butt end of the dagger without throwing it. Yeah, I kind of like to think this is like, when babies fight in those videos where they're just like, oh. <laughs> it's just gently touching each other. <laughs> And, and Ironsi does call in and say, okay, that's enough. You're warmed up. You're now ready for your briefing. And that's when we cut to a mess hall. Um, and here there, you see an air cavalry uh, mural on the wall. And it's for the 180th Cavalry Regiment uh, or the 180 Defenders. Um, you see a big group of you know young pilots and they're standing around the sort of cleared area in the center of the room and everyone's counting together and we are you know 240 241 242 and you know we sort of swoop in and, and kind of edge our way in between all these bodies and you see these two uh these two men these two pilots in the middle of this circle um doing push-ups. One is Crockett Heinlein, who is sort of like, you're just all-American boy. And next to him is, and, and noticeably shaking, even though they're both in dire straits now, is Billy Robertson, who is a bit scrawnier, right, a bit wirier. And, uh, and you notice from their insignias, they're both ensigns in the 180th. And, 
at about 270. Billy starts faltering. People keep up the count, but everyone everyone knows it's over. Billy collapses. Crockett lets himself collapse. Uh, their friends help him up, and Billy says, and he sort of draws it. He says, well, Crockett, I guess you get to pilot the Oak Palisade. And Ensign Heinlein says, hey, I'm happy to have you on my wing. They then head out. Then we cut to the 180th hangar. Unlike the Rainbow Thorns, who have what I would call more of a garage, right? Like, it might be an aircraft hangar. It's just, or a very, very big machine shed. This is sort of your high-speed, low-drag, American, American-built uh, real hangar. A, a commander walks up, has a quick conversation with Crockett, and tells him, you know, be sure to record the data, keep track of how you're feeling, uh, don't go too hard on the thrusters, we're not sure how, how hard they go yet. And he climbs up into the Oak Palisade, which is, at this point, it looks a bit unfinished, uh, but it is basically made to look like uh, a U.S. soldier with all their kit. It's just a bunch of stuff, just covered in ammunition and weapons. We then cut to uh, their, their patrol. Um, behind them, you see uh, the Great Lakes, and they are rolling into uh, Dayton, Ohio. You see some Principality of America max scramble. They are trying to intercept these guys. They're not expecting anything rough, right? We, we see these shots of soldiers hunkering down, training their weapons, like, okay, this, this happens every once in a while, right? Like, Ohio um, and some of the other border states do get a lot of skirmishes, not unlike, you know, in our world, every once in a while there's a firefight on the DMZ between North and South Korea. It doesn't make anyone feel better, but no one says, well, this is going to be what causes the war, except this time. They train their rifles on the Oak Palisade, and it just doesn't seem to be there by the time the trigger gets pulled. And that's when we cut to you all on your on your aircraft carrier. The carrier is an aircraft. It's not carrying aircraft. And Sergeant Ironsi is giving you the breakdown. The Principality was attacked. Uh, there was a new model, and they got slaughtered. That team is out. The initial attack team is out. What you are doing is you are here as the cleanup crew. Now that the initial incursion was repelled, the Principality does not want to send in their people to see what's happened. They want to keep this a little bit more under wraps. They don't want to hurt morale that way. It's probably going to be a very demoralizing scene. So to that end, you get this briefing, you're told there will be a cleanup crew. You will probably find a few more firefights between Mecca, some infantry executing pilots trying to escape, that sort of thing. Uh, Ironsi signs off. What do the three of you do? Julius, uh, being the way he is, would probably have immediately cut in to say, Hey, you kids been in war before? No, sir. Nope. Well, you ever hear a tale of what one 
real good mech can do to a battlefield? Tell me. I'm interested. Yeah. We got three, too, so odds are in our favor. <laughs> well, you see, that's not what I'm talking about. When she said that mention about that model, the new model, it reminded me of the woman who tore apart the United States of America. Basically by herself. She came in, vengeance on her mind. My memory, memory's fading on me. Too many cybernetics. Think her name was an S. Sarah, maybe. She got in her mech, ready to go. And in just a few fights, she tore apart the entire army. Single-handedly. It wasn't even close. If you ever want to see something horrifying, if you think space is fun, just look at the wreckage of what happens after that woman tears through a battlefield. And Julius kind of quiets down a little bit. At least blood doesn't freeze in, out of space. You know, and just like pat his head and be like, you need to chill out a little. <laughs> <laughs> just like just the mech, mech patting the other mech on the back of the head. Just the sound of two tin cans just bang. <laughs> yeah, I think Zizek is kind of sitting there wondering, okay, like is this guy competent enough to go into battle? <laughs> like, <doing> all right. <laughs> the, the very mention of like, hey, we got a job for you and all of a sudden, big flashback. Um, so, yeah, I think Zizek just uh, uh, says like, thanks for sharing. Uh, uh, I know we had a pretty brutal, brutal history a couple of years ago, but now is now. We're we're living in the present, man. We gotta keep it together. I love that your response is, okay, let's uh, you know, the thing about post-traumatic stress disorder is that we are post-it. <laughs> we have new stress to add, so let's let's go do that. Listen, buddy, just focus on the post part. I get <laughs> right. You all, um, you now find yourselves above uh, and you're able to see this in whatever your viewfinder is right it's up on your console hud uh you're now above the dayton rugby stadium rugby really took off in the principality uh for whatever reason so you're over the dayton rugby field and you see sort of a handful of basic assault mecca they're kind of locking down the area uh as you look down imagine sort of we do see a principality pilot right running around and in one of the, the hallways in the stadium. We see them sort of hiding behind a vending machine as, as a kill squad moves through in the perpendicular hallway. They duck into a maintenance room and then they hear a ping, a ping, a ping. It's getting closer and you would all recognize, I mean, we as viewers recognize this from all our time playing Metal Gear Solid games. Oh, that's a that's a personnel detector. Uh, this dude is toast. And the door gets kicked in, and that is exactly what happens. So from there, we cut to uh, your mecha drop. So <clears throat> how, how do you all make it from your carrier to the ground? I'm a big fan of us just jumping from a safe height 
I, so, I, li- I like to imagine that, like, the aircraft carrier comes in and people are like, oh my goodness, the heroic mechs are coming. And then it just, like, keeps lowering a little <laughs> bit more and, like, a little bit more than, like, what would be expected. Like, all right, they'll drop off any minute now. And then it goes a little <laughs> bit more. <laughs> it starts to get really blustery for all of them, too. Yeah, they're just like, like, oh, God. They're almost here. Like, what? <laughs> That's basically it. It's sort of imagine like a much less enthused version of the the beginning of an into the breach level, where all these people are watching from the very tallest buildings in Ohio, and yeah, your carrier sort of gets gets its sort of level top level with one of those buildings, and the cosmological constant kind of just steps off onto a building and kind of kind of kind of hops down from there and uses the boosters to to stabilize and everyone else follows and the mecca over at the rugby stadium notice you so once you all are on the ground the american mecca instantly we are in a timeline where american is just the accepted name for americans they're just down with that they own that now like that's so one of the American mecha sort of turns, and they're very tank-like. Like, they're still humanoid, but, you know, very boxy. And we cut to inside the cockpit, and we see uh, Jules' We see Jules car, a lieutenant junior grade, and they are ready and excited to get some actual combat. And they even say to, to their squad mates, I thought we were just cleaning up. I didn't know we'd actually get some fighting in. And with that, you all are, in fact, in combat. So since we are dealing with like a flat area that's relatively unobstructed, uh, what I'll say is, so there's kind of a hole blown in the stadium here, which was there for like the Mecca to get in. You see, so you looking into the stadium, you would see some Mecca that are relatively okay looking the frames are not too messed up you just see that say the pilot maybe got away or got torn out there are a couple of cockpits you see where the mech was destroyed beaten up the hatch got opened and all you can see is blood that spilled onto the chassis that sort of thing um so from what you can tell in fact um julius go ahead and give me that investigation role Sure, I also have spots plus two if that would be a preferable trigger. That's you're a kind four. Of, it's a four, cool. Yeah, you're kind of extrapolating some knowledge here. Um, and if anyone else has a, a similar trigger for figuring out like how this battle has gone up to now, um, cool. It, uh, so the only thing you are really concerned with, because you have your eyes on the prize and the prize is killing these guys before they kill you. So yeah, as far as you know, it just it just went very badly for the principality forces so let's start combat so do, it's just us three correct yeah right okay yeah you so, didn't get sent in with, with your your sergeant um your sergeant stayed up on the carrier her mech is here um so ironsi is here if you need reinforcements but she was hoping that you wouldn't um <laughs> Well, she has, so everything, because she has a better mech, everything is more expensive. So you want to keep costs down on this. 
and Lieutenant Hyung got sent out on a mission all on her own because she's very good at this. All right, so do you, if you guys wouldn't mind, I would love to go first because I can set up things so that we can we can get like cover and then I can give somebody better dice rolls. Yeah, sure. go for it. That sounds right. good to me. So Julius in Grace of God is going to move up to here. The Everest, I believe, has a movement speed of four. Yes. So they can move four uh, four tiles, which in our case is squares, per move action, which you get for free once per turn. He's then, and then after you use one move action, you have two options. You can either take two quick actions or one full round action. So as uh, he's going to choose to take two quick actions. So as his first quick action, two pieces of cover are going to deploy out of his mech and slam into the ground, which is going to defend his mech from the enemies directly in front of him and then the one mech directly to the side. And then as, a one, an, as an additional quick action, he's going to use the skirmish ability, which allows him to shoot with one piece of his equipment. So he is going to shoot his mortar at a group of two mecha, uh, uh, mecha right next to each other. So his mortar has, uh, it's basically, it shoots out and then it explodes. And because it is arcing, I don't need line of sight. I just need to know they're there. Nice. So it, sh so it shoots up over his cover and explodes nearby. However, this mortar also has the inaccurate quality. So I have to subtract that D6 again. So knowing his previous experience, this isn't going to go too well. So I roll for each target. So a 13 might have actually hit. Absolutely, a 13 hits. All right, so then the mortar explodes hitting that guy, but somehow not his friend for 1d6 plus one explosive damage. Seven, seven, a roll max. Nice. So that staggers it. I'm just going to have this other one flank you. Yeah, so he is, he got behind my hardcover, so I am not benefiting from the hardcover. Cool. And that's a 20. Uh, so that's going to hit. Yeah, that, that definitely hits my eight evasion. Cool. And then this deals, uh, he brings up his rifle, pulls that, that trigger, and three round burst, six damage. Y'all are up. Ooh. The, gr the grace of God staggers back. All right, so... Um, what so, can separate us from the grace of God? Machine okay. gunfire. <laughs> Machine gunfire does a pretty <laughs> dang good job. So I don't know if you guys want to, like, gang up on the one that I hit, which is this one, so, to take one mech out of the fight, or if you guys want to go for this guy who's kind of already flanking us. I feel like we should go for that guy, because I don't trust him the most. You don't, you don't, you don't like how he, you do like how he's looking at us. Yeah. Uh, that's fair. Would Would you like to go then? Oh, I can damn well try. All right, I, sure, go for it. Say that. Can I just try to shoot him with a gun? So, so there's a few actions that we take as PCs okay. that are different from enemies. So if you use the skirmish ability, you attack with a weapon, but. If you're attacking with a weapon that has an auxiliary weapon on the same mount, you attack with both of them. 
So, for example, <laughs> that was a lot of words I just said. So, does does one of your like mounts on your sheet have two knives on it? Jason, I have a main mount that says shotgun, flex mount that says knives, and heavy mount that says melee. That's like the, the knives. The knives okay. one. Does the, yeah. the knives one have two knives? Yes. So, if you use the skirmish quick action, you can attack with both of them. Oh, okay. That's pretty neat. So if you okay. want to, you can try to skirmish on that guy, and that'll mean you stab him with both of your knives on that same mount. Okay, I can try that then. I think if I have to. What? It, so, yeah, do the knife thing. The, the, knives seem like your specialty, so let's do the knife thing. Oh, God, are they? Okay, so then I have to get closer, I think, because, right? I don't know how to Yeah, move. so if you want to melee attack him, you'll have to move up a little bit. Yeah, go that's, for it. Yeah, yeah, okay. So yeah, swing with that big, big old melee. So that's just rolling 1d20. Yes. yes. Well, 1d20, and then you add a d6 to it. Okay. D20 was a 3. <laughs> All right, well, well, add that d6. If you roll high, you might still hit. 4. <laughs> so that's a 7. Yeah, so, so you go to stab, and the... The enemy assault craft just kind of, kind of sidesteps it. Yeah, you just try to stab him again. You're right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, might try, as well. Yeah, nice try, three, maybe. Yeah, try, try to tag it, stab him with your two daggers. Yeah, mm. let's see what that does. A solid two. I'm doing great today. <laughs> so you, so you rolled a two. You get, you get one more because you, oh. you stab, you roll separately for each dagger. Eleven. Uh, that's gonna hit. All right, yeah. do, do your do your second uh, dagger damage. So I rolled a six on a d6, so a three so plus three. one. Yep, so it's so plus four. one energy damage. Yep, so four energy damage. Cool. So you stab at that Murrican mech, and it kind of sidesteps, and it goes to, say, bring up its rifle. Um, and you, with one hand, one knife hand, kind of hold it, hold the rifle there, and the other, you cut at it, with your energy knife. It is going to take a step back. So the one that Julius gave the grace of God to in, in mortar form, he's going to move up a little bit closer to Owen's constant and just fire. And does a 19 hit? What is that going against? Your evasion. Yeah, my evasion's 10. <laughs> yeah, cool. So, and that does six damage. So I'm, I do apologize. There mm -hmm. is there is a general reaction that players can take called, uh, bra yeah. called Brace, mm -hmm. where if you want to take half damage from this attack, you can spend your reaction. Yeah, let's Brace. That sounds good. <laughs> so yeah, the, the rifle comes up to the shoulder, and you go, so your mech kind of hunkers down a little bit, brings the knives up. So around ricochets off the metal one as you take a deeper fighting stance, which does take your attention off the mech you had already cut. And Zizek, I believe you're up. So I want to, I'm going to move my guy over here, which I believe is four. So I'm next to the grace of God. And then I have... 
a couple of pattern B hex charges. I have a frag grenade and an explosive mine. I want to try and huck the frag grenade in between those guys. And I believe uh, this has a range of five. So I should that, be good. So they have, yeah. they have to make an agility save or they take 1d6 explosive damage. Nice. So do they go against my agility score? So, so they have an agility. You, okay. you have a save threshold, I believe, which for the Everest, I believe it's 10. So yeah, they this... need to roll. They need to roll an eleven with their agility bonus. Okay. In order to beat you. Cool. Sounds good. And I will take down one of the charges for that. One of them rolled a sixteen, and the other rolled an eight. Sweet. So, so, so they. Uh, I rolled a five for the mm. full damage, and on a save they take half. So would half. that be two or three? I believe it is rounded up, so they would take three damage, and so the one that saved would take three, the one that didn't save would take the full five. Great. Cool. So, the blessing of the algorithm lobs a grenade in between these first two mecha we met. They see this big drum of explosive, and they both turn opposite directions. Oh, no. Um, one of them had already been hit with this mortar, so they both take what ends up being quite a bit of damage that evens them out, uh, and their legs are not looking great. They're a little wibbly-wobbly on those. And at the sounds of all these explosions, some of you might notice a group of foot soldiers kind of come up on the top of the stadium. Right? As they exit, one of them is, is cleaning off their uh, K-bar combat knife, right? wiping the blood off that. And the spotter kind of points over. They look excited and heft a rocket launcher to its shoulder. And since someone just threw a grenade at their armor support, they're going to shoot a rocket launcher back at him. All right, bring it. Cool, cool. 18 does hit, I imagine. Yes. Great. So they shoot, and we hear the telltale of the barrel expressing the rocket propelled grenade and it comes in and actually falls short maybe the sights were off whatever and you take but one damage of just shrapnel and whatnot getting kicked up nice and that's just hp i'm asking because i do have uh my custom paint job that i yes that is just hp you 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 lose structure damage when your hp gets to zero cool all right sounds good cool and we have two enemies who have not gone um their tactics are not very good that's why they're on the cleanup crew so this one we'll call number three is going to fire at the grace of god so number three uh, in fact, we see in their cockpit, it's Carr, the American, like, all right, let's get him. And Jim. they fire at the grace of God and roll a 10. Question. Yeah. From their, from their position, would there be any benefits from this, uh, wall of cover? I don't think so. You're not, yeah, you're not giving that one to me? All right, then a 10 hits. 
then this one, number four, saw this assault mech saw an opportunity to use his combat knife. He's excited about this. So he's going to try to knife Owen in the right in the cosmological constant. So that is a nine. Which I believe Owen said his was a 10. I lied. I think I, I was looking at my character when my character evasion is a 10, but the mech one is eight. The mech is eight? Oh. Yeah, so oh, just, no. just barely made just it. Just barely made it. In that case, so this one stabs you for four damage. Oh gosh, I love taking damage. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. So good at it. All right, so now it is our turn again because an enemy went last turn, so yep. we get to go now. Um, do you guys want to do kind of the same order? Because I, I forgot about my leader, my leadership talent. I could give you guys dice. I think that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. All right. Let, let's do the more dice we roll thing. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> he is, Julius is a simple man. He likes this more. He does like this mortar strategy. However, he's actually going to use his assault rifle because his assault rifle has reliable instead of inaccurate, which is the exact opposite. Reliable means that he is guaranteed to do some damage, even if he misses. However, he's going to load some special ammo into the uh, magazine of his gun. So if this hits, then it does explosive damage. So he rolls a flat D20. So on his, on his minigun, the assault rifle side, the mech grabs some ammo from a side pack and just slaps it into the side. Like the assault, basically like, almost like the assault rifle has like a drum magazine that he's just into. And the bullets just climb into the minigun and just start firing out. So it is nice. so the mech is going to do take six points of damage. They are Ooh. explosive damage, and the mech is knocked back away from me by one square. So that's an occupied square. So here's what I'm gonna do. Is I'm going to roll a d4, and they're not gonna move, and they'll both take this damage. So you hit it with the explosive rounds, and it is right stumbling back and uh jules behind him tries to like catch him but they didn't get there in time their mech wasn't quite strong enough for it they didn't get their footing and they just kind of bounce off each other and both of them you know hit their heads or or sprain their wrists in the mech cockpit so they're not doing great all right so as my other quick action well, first, well, actually, as a free action, uh, my I'm going to expend one of my leadership dice to tell one of you guys to do something that I want you to do, and I am going to teamwork makes the dream work. To, I am going to tell Owen hit that guy with your sword. So, Owen, if you follow my command. You expend one use of my dice, and you get to add one advantage to your roll. Okay. So if you hit that, if you hit that guy with your sword, you get mm -hmm. one more advantage. Oh. And my final quick action is I'm going to start suppressing fire on this guy down here. So the minigun just starts revving up and shooting at this guy. 
This guy is impaired one, so he takes one difficulty on his stuff, but he can he can remove the impaired one by moving, but I get a free attack on him. And that is Julius's turn. Nice, excellent. So Jules is upset about this. So about getting, you know, suppressing fire on him, doesn't like that. He likes taking his time, enjoying lining up a shot. Um, so they're going to move over and then up one to get a better line of sight on you. All right, so he did move. So I'm going to take my shot. Hey, got a zero, so that misses by a mile. Cool. He is no longer impaired. He takes no more penalties. And uh, he fires back and it's wide. All right. So excellent. Which one of you, which one of you two would like to go? I think uh, Owen said. Yeah. We said we were sticking to the same. Oh, that that's right. You, but that's right. That's right. Mistake. So with it being Owen's turn and Julius offering the hit that guy, I like. I just love the the tactical brilliance of hit him with big sword. Okay, yeah, good call. <laughs> Very good tactics. Uh, all right, so. Owen, if you use that sword first on your round, because you have the other buff that gives you one advantage, you roll 2d6 and you take the bigger one. Okay. So I am rolling a d20 and two d6s. Correct. Okay. Rolling. I got a 10 and a 4. So you got a 14 total. Yeah. So, yeah, that absolutely hits. Nice. Uh, that's a, that's a, this one, that's a four again nice. for damage. <laughs> nice. You stab into this enemy back and like in the arm, the servos are now struggling. Do you have another quick action to hit with? I think I can hit them with the sword again if I roll. Give, uh, give them the shanks. <laughs> Roll and oh well that two. <laughs> oh, get, get get another one in there. <laughs> uh, let's see, uh, d- 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 three. <laughs> not not cutting it. I'm hey, at, at least you, at least you hit with the sword. That's good. Yeah, <laughs> <hit him> once. <laughs> so that one is going to take a step back and try to shoot you. Uh, ten. Might, might be time to brace up again. Cam, I can't hear you, but I do see you in real life bracing, <laughs> covering your head. There's there's a sink in the chair. Yeah. <laughs> we can kind of tell. What's cool. up, Owen? So, Owen, Owen, you got to talk to us. Yeah. I mean, so that does six damage. Oh, my God. <laughs> but if you brace, that does three. I am very braced. If that does three, I think I'm at zero HP now. Okay. Okay, so so that doesn't mean you're down and out. That means you took one point of structure damage. We have four total structure damage. So instead of dying, you get your health completely restored, but something bad happens to you. Mm -hmm. So roll, so Cam, roll me a 1d6. Okay. And tell me the results. Three. So you got some system trauma. Oh no. Roll a roll another one d six. Okay. Three. Uh, so choose one of your mounts. So weapons on one of your mounts, they're all gone. They're all gone. 
So, uh, so, so choose the mount that you like the least, basically. Uh, uh, you know, my gun hasn't helped me yet, and I've only been using knives, so let's let's, let's get rid of the gun, I guess. Question okay. I don't know if that's a good idea. I don't think that's a good idea. I mean, it's probably you. You've been stabbing a lot, so yeah. it's probably the best idea you have. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> okay. So. That that gun is blown off, but otherwise you you've taken no substantial damage. You know, other than losing your entire arm. And it, you know, it looks kind of cool having your arm knocked off like that. So, so you hear Ironson uh, come over the radio and say, "Looks like y'all could use some help." And she just kind of drops into the middle of all this. She is not not having this. So she shows up, drops from the sky behind them. Uh, she's just going to hit the one closest to her with a shotgun. So she just kind of out of the sky, this huge mech. Ironson comes in. Hey, I'm here to help. Kaboom! And as soon as the dust and the dirt settles, shotguns away and she hits this closest one number four for eight damage just right square in the chest Oof! it's going to try to fire back at her and she effortlessly sidesteps it i'm gonna go for another one of my grenades again mm -hmm. here because i think i can hit both of those guys nice. um, and not hit uh ironson so how do they fare? Um, they were very agile, so they will take but half damage. They only get but a one then. Oh no, okay. So yeah, they both sort of go, ah, <laughs> grenade, <laughs> and step back a bit. And, and it does kick a bunch of stuff up, but that's when we see the kill squad on the wall, who you would know um, as they're called frontiersmen is what the 180th calls their kill squads. The frontiersmen like, Let, let's try this again. What with the rocket propelled grenade? That one is going to also be shot at uh, the algorithm. Those guys got a target. How's, how's 14 do? Uh, yep, that's gonna hit. Cool, so 14 is going to, that gives you uh, three damage. Yeah, not a lot, not too if, bad. If you don't plan on taking other re any other reactions, you can brace for that one extra health. <laughs> sure, yeah, I'll go for it. Okay, cool. Nice. So the one who's in Owen's face is going to stab at him um, for just a realness, just so wide. And then the one who's on this side of the, the wall is going to start maneuvering one, two, three. So just kind of lumbers past the grace of God's cover and fires. And that's a six, so that's not gonna do it, right? Yeah, so Everest has eight by default, yes. Cool, great. Okay, y'all are up. All right, same order. Same order, more like same mortar. 
because I'm totally <laughs> good. <laughs> uh, hilarious. Thank you. I am <laughs> here all week. So this is going to left from right to the from the target that was shotgunned to the one directly next to that target. Mm -hmm. An 11 and a 9. Cool. Those are both going to hit. You just rolled your dice once, right, Zizek, for your grenades. So I'll do the same rules. So just one damage roll, both of them apply. Oh my goodness. That's a max roll. That's a seven points of damage. Nice. So one of them, the one uh, Ironson hit with a shotgun, it staggered back from the shotgun, and then the explosion whiplashed it the other way. The cockpit kind of implodes in on itself under all this force. It's done. It's good. It's like a squished can of tomatoes. Uh, so because because I like pissing off Julius, I'm going to go back into coat. Uh, it's not Julius. Excuse me. That's the wrong one. Julian. I'm going to start covering fire back on him again. So cool. minigun go minigun go burr and whatnot. Yeah, he's gonna fire back at you for sort of. He kind of tries to back up from your supporting fire and shoot back. Is, is he moving to remove the impair? He is going to move to remove the no, impair. I am, I am going to take the reaction to shoot at him, which means I cannot brace this Okay. Turn. Does a nine hit? A nine does hit. So he is going to take half of this damage. So he's going to take three points of damage. Okay. He steps back to try to get a clean shot at you, and you fill his chassis full of lead, just so full of lead. Shouldn't have moved. You'll only die tired. <laughs> Moving's for chumps. You'll only die suppressed. Excellent. Cool. All right. And since that was, uh, and so we cut into Jules Carr's cockpit, and that smug some bitch just first some light streams into the cockpit through some of the bullet holes, and then just black. We cut back to your minigun slowing, smoke coming out of the barrels. And that was Jules's turn. So now we cut over to, I believe, Zizek. Uh, that, this would be Owen. It was, I'm yeah. a bitch. Cut to Owen. <laughs> cut, 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 cut to Owen, cutting him up. Right, Owen? <laughs> go, go get him. <laughs> That's a knee slapper. Okay. Um, I do I'm, enjoy. I'm, I'm, I'm just landing pun after pun. This is I going do great. enjoy that the, the leadership continues to be just cut him. Just, yeah, just, just, just cut him. Uh, unfortunately, I forgot to say I was spending a leadership dice, so I don't. You can use okay, it on me. I could have, but I forgot to do it on my turn. It, yeah, we can edit a... that in. <laughs> in no, no, no. We're good. We're good. Okay. okay. Wait, Jason, I have a question. Yes. So one of my uh, talents is once per round, I can hit with my heavy melee weapon um, and then can hit again to someone else who's within line of threat or line of sight. So could I be able to hit both? Oh, Jesus Christ. Since both those boys are right next to me, can I use that? Absolutely. Hell yeah. Okay. So, you're, so your first one has advantage, your second one does not. Okay, so advantage, you add a d6, is that what it yep, is? Yep, that is so. advantage, yep. Okay, so we got for the first one a 15. Yep, nice. And the second one, a nat 20. <laughs> okay, so so cool. So because we're players, 
we get a special thing whenever we critically hit. We get to roll twice on the damage and take the higher result. Okay, so first one is a 10 plus one. That's 11. 11 damage? <laughs> cool. Hot dog. Cool. And then the other one, what was the other one? So, so you roll so you roll damage normally. Yeah, that's what I did. And you can do it twice and take which, whichever one's better. Okay, the first one was better, because this is ten. Alright, so eleven and then ten damage. Yeah. yeah, we'll reconcile that in a second. Tell me what the other attack ends up looking like. Yeah, you, you just cut this dude. Yeah, oh, so yeah, so like... the reconcile the reconciliation. <laughs> they were murdered. This for clean audio. The reconciliation of your two attacks to two separate mecha stabbing in two directions is you have two dead mecha. <laughs> oh, and tell me what that looks like. Okay, so the first one in front of me, I was like, I got this, guys. Don't worry, I won't mess this up. Um, so I, I lifted it and I swung at him and stabbed him real good. Um, and then pulled it out, tur- and then like swung opposite way to swing into the other dudes like a woo i know no one can see me but <laughs> for people listening i swung i circled in my chair <laughs> the 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 most powerful move on a zoom call to just spin in your your office chair but this time with a sword and yes you have two fewer mecha to worry about the one who was uh who had tried shooting at you owen He's gonna try that again. He wants to, he is now a little horrified, but also thinking, hey, not paying attention to me, too busy killing killing my friends. And that's a 12. Yeah. Turtle up. Down to go. <laughs> <laughs> cool, and the, the assault rifle burst does three damage on, on your regular degular HP. Very cool. Who wants to go next? Uh, I, I but is it the surgeon's turn technically? Because she uh, jumped on in, or she did. So she's going to just she's going to move over this mech. The one that's sort of a little farther away, kind of been beaten up with some grenades, and she's just going to sort of put her shotgun just nestle it in the small of this mech's back, and. Do, do, do. Hear that? Hear that good clatter? Uh, it's not there anymore. It's just not there. So we see Ironson in her mech. She pulls the trigger. That cuts. That cuts the mech pulling the shotgun trigger, and then, thunk. And pretty much what we see from there is her mech kind of outlined by the limbs of her enemy falling away. We zoom behind her and the frontiersmen haul ass. They're running like hell. They're out. They're donezo. So we're not worried about them right now. Uh, Zizek, you have but one enemy. But one enemy. Um, I believe I'm going to move. Uh, oh, I haven't used my sword yet in combat, and I'd really like to. Yep. So. I'm going to try and move over just ahead of Owen. All right, so I'm going to make an attack roll with my 
cool ass Buster Sword. Fifteen. Nice. Yep. All right. And that is one d six plus three damage. God. <laughs> oh, so that is seven. I think uh, Zizek is getting a little um, jealous of everybody else, right? He's like, sure. he thought he was doing all right with the grenades, is like a little bit of covered fire. Um, and then, you know, the general comes in and just totally eviscerates the guy that he was planning on going up to. So he just kind of like, you see the mech kind of like hurriedly look around a little bit. Um, and he just like bolts back behind Julius and runs over to Owen. And it's one of those like, Cool runs where he runs and you see the sword come out and using the momentum this like hits and kind of turns around so you see the explosion behind uh behind Zizek on the downswing of the sword uh, for a seven hit excellent very cool so Zizek cuts through that mech there's a real satisfying explosion for him to skid to a halt moving through the explosion mm. Good, good stuff. And then we are going to cut to y'all looking for those frontiersmen. You expect to be able to handle this. That's fine. Uh, Julius, give me that investigation roll. That is a six. <laughs> so you don't notice anything weird except for the smear of blood on the floor. So you go to the concession area and you find all the frontiersmen murdered, just real dead. One of them is uh, naked, weirdly enough. Um, you look around, again, it's not especially difficult, um, but, but you find a, a principality uniform there. And the, the name tag on it reads Corporal Fitzroy. And you look at each other, this is weird. We cut to one of the Princey Macca, and in there is the registration documentation for Corporal Fitzroy. Oh, it is very upset <laughs> at all the dead people. It's it's unsettling for Zizek. Um, I think Zizek kind of feels like we fucked up somehow. We got like too entrenched in the combat, and maybe if we we paid more attention, we could have could have helped prevent or at least gotten gotten some more information out of this. So he's a little, he's angry. Uh, Julius is handling it fairly calmly. He's seen, he's seen acts of like this on the battlefield, especially with, uh, especially if that person is a pilot uh, compared to what he assumes is normal humans coming from the frontiermen. But um, he is a little bit like, like for for an instant, he is having Sarah flashbacks for from the old war, the butchery he saw. Excellent. So yeah, and that's what we close on is you three surveying this this carnage. <laughs>